Hello, hello, hello. I'm getting like a countdown from my husband here. As I was trying to pull up the announcements. I know, he keeps me in line. That's what we do with each other. Right, babe? Right, Kylan? Kylan, we keep each other in line. <laughs> he keeps me in line. You know. All right, well, welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for uh, coming on such a gorgeous night out there, right? It's so beautiful. I, w I kind of wish we could open our windows because it's so pretty, but that's okay. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes at me. So come on in and have a seat. Um, I got just a couple of um, announcements. Um, just a reminder that um, if you consider yourself a member of the church, um, part of this this family, we are having a what. Uh, on May 21st after service, um, a vision casting day. And really what that is, is just just kind of talking about what we want to see, what's next, um, just talking about th stuff that a family would talk about, right? That's what we're doing. Um, and then tonight, Judah. Judah's, Judah's teaching a, he's got a basic discipleship small group tonight, right? So after worship, do you know where you're going to be? Downstairs, okay? So if you are doing that, you could probably just follow him, right? Yeah. And then we also have youth tonight. Yay! Youth hangout night. So I don't know who... Outside. Out, outside. Okay, then. Well, it's a nice night, so that'll be great. And also, um, we are going to have a vacation Bible school again this year, um, June 25th through 27th. So... There will be more to come on that. Um, I really don't know much more than that right now, but we are doing it, and there will be more to come on that um, probably soon. So so anyway, I, I think that's it. Are we ready to worship? All right. Everybody stand on your feet.
want you, Father. Nothing else satisfies. Lord, we just ask for more of you, more of your presence, Father. Knowing that nothing else is going to do for us, Lord. We want to be in your light and in your light alone. Lord, I pray we would learn to say no to anything that is not done with you. just want you, Father. Let that be our heart's cry. of your family of faith and kids. You're going to go down to Children's Church and then the youth is going to meet outside. And don't forget about the small group that's happening in the basement. basic discipleship small group if you signed up for that follow judah and youth hangout well, just follow the noise you'll find them and kid church check-in too so while they're doing that don't forget uh, about the sycamore house fundraiser with the baby bottles are at the back door uh, fill one of these up with change or if you wish bills cash cold hard cash and turn that in and we'll get that into the sycamore house and uh Bless them with that. So, Margaret, you want to catch this? Try? So, if this accidentally hits you in the face, you all know I didn't mean to. Okay, anyways. There was my one chance, right? I blew it. Well, it's good to have you. Blessings tonight. And when service is over, we'll jump off live stream. I'll give you an update on, on Pastor Dosick. And then we also have a, a, a testimony tonight somebody wanted to share. So, we're going to do that after we get off live stream tonight. So, having said that, tithe and offering, if you have something to give, uh, hopefully you're preparing that already. Envelopes here in front of you, or as always, our ushers have an envelope. You can wave your hand around. 
So let me pray over that. If you have something, you can bring it down. Lord, we, we thank you uh, to be in your house on this wonderful Wednesday night, a beautiful day, Lord. And uh, all glory goes to you. And all the good things we see in this world, Lord, they, they somehow, somewhere are rooted in the goodness of who you are. And Lord, we thank you that we have the ability to give. And, and Lord, that your faithfulness is always evident to us in, in so many different ways, but Lord, in, in how the provision of our lives is, is there, Lord. And, and the Bible teaches us that we don't have to worry about, worry about things. You take care of even so much as the grass and the fields and the birds of the air, how much more will he take care of, of us, Lord? And we thank you for that provision. We give tonight testimony of your goodness. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. If you have it, you can bring it. Um, I'm looking forward to the 21st on a vision cast this Sunday, so hope to see you there. Bring some good food to eat. Everybody's just looking at me. I'm serious. Bring good food. Okay. I'm going to get some chicken. Somebody make some, somebody make some desserts. That'd be great, too. You're going to make desserts, Mike? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you get them out and jump to the book of Romans chapter 12. We're, we're coming back to, after a little while, our series on relationships. So we spent, I think, like almost a whole month talking about friendships, maybe three weeks at least. And then we had a guest speaker, then we had a, a prayer, more of a prayer night last Wednesday. So we're back to uh, relationships tonight. And I forewarned you about this, uh, just, just in case. And I did this on a night that we specifically had youth, uh, so they wouldn't be here. But if you want your young person to be here, go get them. I'm going to be talking about sex tonight. Because you can't talk about relationships without talking about human sexuality. Okay? So, not so much a PG-13 message, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, you know, being a, a youth pastor for as long as I was, and, and having, a, you know, not just public kids it's not just about that but uh, getting ahead with young people is very important we did a we did a series on sex and dating at least once a year with those kids because if, if you are not um, trained scripturally about these things then you'll learn it somewhere else all right and if you don't learn it scripturally you're going to learn it wrongly because the world does stuff with things like sex or our sexuality. So I want to build something. I want to, I want to kind of lead into it here. So Romans chapter 12, uh, in verse number two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the testing, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So in other words, what God lays out for us in how we live is, is not just acceptable, but it's actually good. And when it comes to the fact that we are sexual beings, we're created to have sexual relationship, and by the way, to enjoy it, okay? I, I think sometimes the church is scared to talk about this kind of stuff, but we have to, okay? Um, but God, did God not create man and woman the way he made them? So our sexuality was created by God. So because God made it, then he determines what is good with it. 
And whenever we take it outside of what God has said, then it turns into what God has not deemed to be good, and therefore it can be corrupted by uh, the ways of the world, by sin, by uh, different perspectives and all sorts of stuff. So we, we are not going to be conformed to the pattern of the world with our sexuality. So we have to start there. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. And, and we, we covered this when we did our series on Romans, but let's come back to this. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, idols. And because, now watch this, because, because man turns from God and ultimately starts to worship other things, everybody worships something. You won't find, and you, you may find it in our world, but in American society, you won't find too much an actual literal graven image in somebody's house that they worship, not the cultural thing. But everybody worships something. And when we worship other things, what happens is then we are opened up to, verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Therefore God gave them up dishonorable passions, and it actually talks about homosexuality here. For the women exchanged natural relations for uh, those that were contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves due penalty for their error. So what happens is, as a society as a whole, when man turns from honoring God and worshiping him and, and then lives lives in a way that actually they end up honoring themselves instead, sin creeps in in all sorts of ways. And one way that sin creeps in, it, it corrupts our sexuality and what God made to be good. Okay, keep going. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and, let's see, verse number 3. For this is the will of God. And that's a strong statement. Your sanctification, in other words, living holy unto him. Part of that is this, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles, the heathens who don't know God that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things that we told you beforehand and solemnly warns you. So part of sanctification in the will of God is we learn how to control our physical body, our sexuality, that we are called to avoid sexual immorality. Okay? Now, here are some... And there's a couple more scriptures we're going to get to. But here are some lies that kind of creep into 
uh, the way we live relationally with one another. First lie is this, that sex is simply just an animalistic action. It's the birds and the bees and animals do it, and so do we, because we're like animals. I, my, my, uh, I used to do the sex and dating series with the young people. I called, I called it birds and the bees on Red Bull. That's what I said, because their, their hormones are crazy, and they're, you know what I'm saying, they're maturing and hitting, hitting puberty, and their hormones are going nuts, and it's like, like birds and bees drinking Red Bull. It's like, ah. So that's what we called it. But yes, we are inherently sexual beings, but there is much more to the act of sex other than it's just we do it because, well, we're created to do it. In other words, if it's an animalistic action, you really can't control it. It's just the way it is. I have impulses, and I act on those impulses. Well, if you just simply act on your impulses, you'll end up in sin. The Bible just said you got to learn to control your body. That's part of your sanctification, right? Another lie of society is that sex is simply innocent fun. The Bible teaches you when you're united with somebody, two becomes one flesh. That's not just innocent fun. There's a whole big, deeper meaning to the act of sex with two people, okay? So it's not just simple fun. Another lie of society is that Sex is an isolated event. No, things happen. Things go with you. It's not just something, well, you could call it a one night, well, it's just a one night stand, no big deal. Isolated event, not a problem. It's not true. It's not an isolated event. Sex has lasting effects on your life. Another lie is simply that sex is who I am. In other words, I am my feelings and my attractions. No, you are not your feelings. You are not your attractions. You are what God made you. Right? In other words, back to what has God made me to be, and now I learn to control my body within the designs of the goodness of God. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. First Corinthians chapter number six and verse number 15. Do you not know that your, your bodies are members of Christ? My physical body is a member of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute or be united sexually with a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her, two become one flesh? For it is written, two become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. Or do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is within you? that you have received from God. So in other words, you are not your own. You were bought with the price. So glorify God with your body. See that? God created you, did he not? He's the author. But even beyond that, in salvation, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, what you do with your physical body can either honor God or dishonor him. And sin sexually actually sin against the creation of yourself, the goodness that God made you with. Here's another one. Oh, oh we just read that whole thing. So, um, so what, what is this saying? Hebrews chapter 13 says that the marriage bed should be pure. So God makes a man, and he makes a woman. And right there says a lot. And he creates a man and a woman to be together sexually. Amen. That, just think about anatomy. It works. Thank goodness. But within that then, Hebrews 13, that... There is a covenant of two becomes one flesh that needs to be honored with your sexuality. Right? And anything outside of the two becoming one flesh of that sacred unit will turn into sexual immorality. So, uh, two people that are not married that are engaging in sexual relationship are in sin. Well, we're going to get married. Okay, great. You can't break what God says now for a future promise. Right? A married person that is having a sexual relationship with somebody that they're not married to adultery is sin. Homosexual relationship. Sin. And we could talk about transgenderism, all these different things. we got to come back to what did God make things and what did he say is good, then that we, we need then to honor God and in, in sense then honor our creation in how we live our sexuality. This is important. Pornography. Sin. Jesus said that if, if a guy simply lusts after another woman... He's committing adultery with her in his heart. So, and, so the Sermon on the Mount, maybe someday we'll do a series on that. Jesus goes with some of the things that we know are in the law, but then he breaks it down to get to the heart. So he said, we all know we shouldn't commit adultery. I don't even, I don't even, he said, I'll take it a step further. If you're looking at a woman and you're lusting after her, you're, you're committing adultery with her in your heart. And um, ladies, you're not off the hook. So if a woman is lusting after a man, you're committing adultery with him in your heart. And Jesus, and Jesus then right there goes on to say, so if your hand causes you to sin, better to cut that thing off than, than end up in hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you not to have an eye than to spend eternity in hell. So your sexuality is not just the actions of your life, but also guarding your heart. That's why pornography is not good. Pornography will teach you a, a plurality of a mentality of women, looking at different women in sexual acts. You'll never be satisfied by a single woman when you have a plurality. That's what it teaches you. It teaches you to only be satisfied by multiple. Right? So we got to come back to basics. Man, woman, together, 
marriage bed kept pure, then the sexual nature happens within the marriage covenant, which is intended to be what? Lifelong. And there's a sacredness to the marriage covenant. Lifelong. Okay. So, you know, your sexual impulses can make you kind of dumb. I say that with all the kindness of my heart. Deer hunter, deer hunter, who else? Buck or smart until the rut comes. Then they're not so smart. Because you know what? They get all caught up in the ladies. And their sexual impulses cause them to do things they would not normally do for the safety of their life. Right? That, that, that's the nature. But, but we can allow our heart, the guard of our heart, to drop due to sexual impulses if we're not careful. And if you're not guarding your heart, so if you were here for the Love Your Marriage uh, conference, one of, one of the, the pastors, I think it was Pastor Phil and Regina, they brought, they brought out a, a very significant uh, statement. The majority of affairs happen with somebody in your workplace. The reason being, because over time, you drop the guard of your heart developing a relationship with somebody. And your attraction can make you stupid, if I can say it that way without you being offended. Because you allow things to start to happen that should not be happening. See what I'm getting at? You've got to guard your heart. Now, when we say these things, when we say these things, first of all, people can get defensive. But remember, what God says, his way isn't just right, but his way is better. Always remember that. God's way is always better. Even you got what's going on in society, whatever society is saying, it's not better than what God says. In everything you can think of, including this topic. And, and some of you that are older, uh, the sexual revolution that hit in the 60s into the early 70s and, and redefining what it meant to, to have relationships in a lot of different ways. Look, that was a society thing. That was not a God thing. Okay? Don't let society redefine the goodness of God. What God says is better. So, so sometimes uh, if, if I end up in counseling with a couple that's not married or premarital counseling, every once in a super long while I get, well, what's the big deal? And they want to argue whatever about why it's okay to be in a sexual relationship outside of marriage. Ultimately, it just comes down to what does God say? And that should be bedrock good enough if you say you believe in him. Right? So God's ways are always better. Second thing, but here's the thing. Depending on your past, you can have remorse for that. Now, condemnation says, uh, you know, what I did was wrong and there's no way out, but conviction says that was wrong, but there is a way out, and that leads to the fact that I can be repentant of my past and I can change. 
But as I find with sexual sin, because it can be addictive, by the way, and, and there's scientific things for that, we often repent for things that ultimately we don't want to change. Because in certain moments, we feel shame for something we've done. We know it's wrong. We repent, but we find ourselves right back in it. Because the draw to it. And ultimately, we end up in a cycle of repenting for something that we have given up and, have, and aren't changing. We just repent when we're shameful of it. Where there's repentance, I believe there can be deliverance, too. I'm not saying all this stuff is easy, but the point is, there can be deliverance. You get back to what has God said. And if what he said is good, then this is how I then should go about living my life. So when you, when you think of, of your sexuality, you think about it in the current condition of your life. Are you single? Well, what does the Bible say of how to approach life because you're single? Well, I'm married. Okay, great. So I, would, I know we're all adults in here. I, I would always... So a lot, I've, I've married... I'm, I've married a lot of kids that grew up in my youth group, lots of them. And I always, in the very first premarital counseling appointment, I'd say this, look, you've heard me since the fifth grade tell you don't have sex. For the first time, I'm going to tell you pretty soon you can have it as much as you want. It's great. God made it this way. It's good. Enjoy one another. Figure it out together. Learn it together, you know? So what is, what is but, but even in the marriage relationship, there's still boundaries. It's not just this free for all, right? So what, what does the Bible teach? Okay, so, okay, so what, what if I have attractions that aren't correct? Well, remember, you are not defined by your attractions. You're defined by what God said and he made. And what do I do? Well, I pray and I work with it. And I still live by what God said. Right? So whatever situation you find yourself in, you have to be grounded biblically because we are sexual beings and it shows up in our relationships. It's just the way it is. So, so you live by what God said and you will find the goodness of God in by living by his will. Can, can you imagine, oh my goodness, you probably think about your life, and we'll just be honest here. If you had acted on every impulse you ever had since had puberty as a, a sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, the kind of mess your life would have been, think about that. Your life would, would be, it be a mess. So in other words, the impulse and the attraction isn't necessarily what's good. It is learning what God has said and learning to control my body according to his word and what God has said. And there we find the goodness of what God has made. Because again, again, God made us this way. He made us this way. So if he made us this way, there is a goodness to it, but the goodness is found in, again, if he made it, then his direction and his, his uh, guidelines. 
So society is doing all sorts of stuff. If it feels good, do it. Whatever you feel like today, just be that. Go so far as to change your whole being to line up with a feeling. I have a lot, I have a lot, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of compassion for that, for those struggling there. I have a ton of compassion there. But these things end up in a place outside of the goodness of God. Right? And you will find in the length of your days that whether marriage or single or, or whatever your situation is, you will find in the length of your days by living what God has said, I, there's wisdom that comes in understanding his goodness. So, so again, acting on your impulses. So, my goodness, um, uh, I'm a lot more wise at 50 than I was at 17. I can see better now why God says a lot of the stuff he says versus when I was 17. And going, what's the big deal? Right? And the wisdom of life is saying what God has said is not only his goodness, but there's a certain protection to it. There's a certain way that, that again, finding the relationship within the marriage covenant, what that means in that marriage. It, it, there's all sorts of layers to this thing. But relationally, if you live by what God has said in the sanctification, that's an area of your life that is as much as a light to the world as anything else. Think about that. So my relation with my wife, that we're not in an adulterous relationship, that we guard our marriage, that there's boundaries that we have, what we do. There's a certain uh, witness of sanctification with those things because it's just not out there. Because people that pursue an open-ended whatever with their sexuality or eventually hit something in their life, they go, oh my goodness. Because ultimately you can't continually defy the creation of God and the way he made things and think it's just going to be okay. It doesn't go that way. Things happen. All right? So guard yourself. Guard your heart. Watch what your eyes are watching. Right? Watch the kind of things you're exposing yourself to. Teach your kids. I'm going to be honest with you again. I was, I was a youth pastor for 20 years, public school kids, homeschool kids, private school kids can't bubble your kids away from this stuff. They are going to be exposed. Teach them the proper response. When at some point in their life, they, they say the average exposure uh, to pornography is, is, is less than age 10 now, first exposure. It's because it's out there. It's everywhere. When, when I was a kid growing up, 
If you wanted to try to sneak it, you'd have to go to the five and dime store and sneak back in the magazine section and hope nobody was looking. Right? That's when I was a kid. Today, man, you just flip on the TV, get a hold of somebody's phone. I mean, it's just everywhere. Teach your kids to guard themselves because they're going to be exposed. I wish it wasn't that way, but it's the truth. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter if it's homeschool or public school or private school. Teach them. Don't wait till the world teaches them first. I think sometimes parents are like, I'll, I'll get there when I think they're old enough. I'm, I'm telling you, if you wait till they're mid-teens to talk to them about this, you're too late. You're too late. Talk to them before their hormones start going crazy. Get a relationship with them where they will talk to you about it. If you instigate the, the communication, you're more apt to have communication that's open than, than just uh, keeping things to themselves and, and not talking. So our oldest son, I'll never, I'll never forget, I don't remember how old he was. We, we were in, no, I don't know, no, you may not know what I'm talking about. We, he wasn't that young. Anyways, we were, we were in our bedroom. I was sitting in bed, and he walked in, and he talked to her. He didn't talk to me. He talked to her and said, I kissed a girl tonight. <laughs> First time he ever kissed, he came in and told her. I'm over there going, yeah. But anyways, uh, uh, but what was great about it was that he came in and said something. Yeah, then we had a conversation. Um, but, but see, the point, there was an openness of communication. He wasn't out there sneaking around trying to hide what he was doing. And you know why? Because, well, he grew up in my youth group. He heard me talk about sex. I was honest about it. I was open about it. As a matter of fact, when we would do the series over there, I'd advertise for a whole month. This, 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 this Sunday month from now, I'm going to talk about sex. If you don't want your kid there, keep him out. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be straight out. I'm going to say the words. I'm going to talk about it. And, and you know, we educated him. Because it's coming. All right? But, but I think what the church does is they almost talk about it like it's a dirty thing. Sex is not dirty. It's created by God. But it's got to be in the right boundary. God tell the kids, look, it's a, it's a great thing. God made it. But, 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 here's the boundary. It's what God has said. Amen? So guard your heart. Don't, don't. Listen, when it comes to things like lust and other, other things like that, don't give the enemy or the impulses of, of your life an inch. Don't give it an inch. Because all it takes is an inch. Don't give it an inch. Shut it down, turn it off, throw it away, quit watching whatever, quit being around it. What, don't give it an inch. Right? Amen. So, human sexuality, great thing, but let, let's be people who honor God with our bodies. Amen? Let, let's treat ourselves 
in a way that's saying, God made me and designed me with a practical and good purpose. Right? And then live that way. It's part of your sanctification. Amen? All right, amen. I won't say any more about that. We'll stop there. We'll stop there. But I'll be, hey, we'll, we'll turn off live stream, Kelly. We'll do a couple things. When I, when I was a youth pastor,